Hello guys, welcome to or welcome back to Reforming Our Faith. This is my third episode and I'm I'm excited for this one because I think that it's it's going to hit home for a lot of people and we're going to get deep. And listen, both of my episodes up until now have been real deep, okay? One was about anxiety and the other about embracing change, but I have a feeling that this one's going to be different and I don't know why, but I just do. Um, I do want to give a little trigger warning before I get into the episode. I will be talking about very sensitive topics, including depression, suicidal thoughts, uh, anxiety, self-harm, drugs, all that stuff. So please, you know, be aware if those are topics you're, you know, sensitive to and all that stuff, um, topics that trigger you. But that is what we're going to be talking about today. So I did post my testimony yesterday uh september 11th so well technically today because i did post it around two in the morning so technically i posted it today september 12th but anyhow um so i i don't want to get so in depth with it because i already did talk about it and already posted about it so i I posted about on tiktok my tiktok is moving with god if y'all want to read it i posted an even more you know detailed version and just going a little deeper into it on instagram which is moving period with period god um because obviously tiktok takes stuff down uh very like their guidelines are a lot stricter than instagram so um but yes so if y'all want to read that go ahead i will still give a brief one here but not too much because i do want to get into obviously what we're talking about um so i want to tell y'all where it started and you know when it started where it stemmed from why it stemmed from that and how its roots affected me right um now i talked about my anxiety and my testimony with anxiety in my first episode so if y'all want to go hear that go hear that But it started with anxiety. I have had, or well, no, I had, I had fallen into depression when I was uh, 11 years old. So when I was in sixth grade. Um, But my anxiety came way before that. My anxiety came when I was only in pre-K. Again, if y'all want to hear more about that, go to my first episode. But at that time, obviously, it was I, I was so young that everybody thought she's she's so young you know it's just separation uh, anxiety from her parents she'll get over it whatever I didn't so when I started to get into school and all that stuff it got very very hard because my anxiety stemmed from school so as I got older by the time I reached pretty much middle school the anxiety was then social I, I I felt so disconnected and like I didn't belong there because when I would go into elementary school every morning for about four years by the time I was in fourth grade if I'm not wrong obviously I wasn't crying every day anymore I was old enough to just suck it up and just deal with it so fourth and fifth grade the feeling was still there but listen y'all I cried every single day from kindergarten to like third grade every day my teachers would have to sit in the corner of the room with me and calm me down until I could get through the day and a lot of times my parents had to pick me up early in kindergarten but at that point you know kindergarten is what like two hours 
so you know it wasn't a big deal but when you know obviously school tried to get from you know longer hours my parents couldn't always pick me up early obviously because then I wouldn't get the credits and uh uh-uh right so because of this I eventually had to suck it up and I learned to when I was a little older but I'm telling y'all for like a good four to five years of my life it was hell for my parents having to deal with that all the time and as I get as I got older and I got to learn obviously how to suck it up it was more so like the week before like the time leading up to school and like the first like month of school was horrible it was still hell for them and so yes when I reached middle school I'm pretty sure this is how middle school works in most areas my town has three different elementary schools and I genuinely think mine was the smallest one um so I if I if I was having a hard time adapting there just imagine me in middle school and that's eventually why I ended up getting so depressed because I would come to school every morning I was crying I was like oh my mom and dad ah ah but (laughs) everybody else was laughing and having fun and playing and having fun with their teacher and listening to the stories perfectly fine and you know just learning perfectly fine and I and I wasn't there so that made room for this feeling of disconnection and this feeling of I I guess I, I dissociated um and so again when you when I, I was having such a hard time adapting here when you threw me into middle school I spiraled and I, I mean I was already spiraling but this was just this was different because now there's a whole school like you know at least by the time I was in fifth grade I knew everybody in elementary school you know it was the same people every year uh, you know the occasional new kids whatever but middle school is now a bunch of you know it's not the occasional new student it's two whole schools of new students that I didn't know y'all don't know what that did for my anxiety and I started to I couldn't be alone and that's what's crazy to me at such a young age I was scared to be alone with my thoughts I was what 11 guys I was sleeping with my parents in sixth grade still I could not be alone I don't know what the fear was but I couldn't be alone with my thoughts because they felt deadly to me. My, like, just just imagine this. You know what I'm saying? Like, their kids get their own room with their own crib as a ch- like a baby, as a child. I was in sixth grade, sleeping with my parents, because I was scared. And and here's the thing: the fear wasn't of the dark, y'all. Okay, a lot of people are like, oh, maybe you were scared of the dark. No, we tried the night lights. Okay, we tried the light on. No, I couldn't be alone. I couldn't fall asleep alone because of because of what I felt creeping inside of me. I couldn't be alone. And my parents felt like a safe space to me. Like they're the only people that kind of I, I, that those thoughts and that voice in my head it was silent when they when I was with my parents. And that's why I was always with my mother um and always sleeping with with you know both my mother and my dad and for so long um eventually when I did get my own room my mom would have to literally sleep like sit on the side of the bed and watch me sleep and she would have to go upstairs when you know I eventually fell asleep and most times most times the second she got up from my bed I was like where are you going and sometimes I wouldn't notice right so when I would wake up in the middle of the night and she wasn't there no more I was going and I was knocking on their door but that was way way after in in, uh, in sixth grade. I, I don't know. I think it was seventh grade, maybe, um, or maybe the end of sixth grade. Going to I, I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember when I got my own room. Um, 
but because <laughs> um, I didn't even wave it when I did. I, I didn't use it for very long. So I, I don't know if I got my room in, you know, I think fifth grade. I got my room very early, I'm pretty sure. I just, I didn't, I didn't, again, I didn't use it. So I always had my own room. I just, I always slept with my parents, right? So it, it was crazy to me that eventually, and, and that's the thing. When I eventually did get my own, like, own room and I, and I started to not need my mom to sleep with me, my, I had an aunt that uh, slept with me in my room all the time. So I, I was just never alone with my thoughts. I wouldn't even allow it. I wouldn't even risk it. So, but anyways, in, in, growing up, I, when I would sleep with my parents, it got to a point where I was so drained. I hated school. School was like my personal hell. I hated it. That my mom would dress me in bed. My mom would do everything for me while I was in bed because I didn't, I couldn't get up. Because I knew it was waiting for me when I was done getting ready. And it, again, I got old enough to the point where when I was in middle school, I just had to deal with it. I just had to put, I had to show, I had to, I had to show up. I had to keep going. There was not, there, I obviously, I tried for years. There was no way of getting out of, you know, going to school. So, but that dissociation, that disconnection to all my fellow peers was there. So I, I didn't have a sense of self. I wasn't my own person. I was whoever I was around. And I talked about that in my anxiety. I had this fear of not being accepted and all that stuff that I, I wasn't my own person. And I had gotten so good at hiding it that I, I, nobody could really even tell. Nobody could even really tell. And, and, and the, because that's a lot of the times that I did try to talk about it, let's say to my fellow peers at, at, uh, at school, it was always, oh, but your parents are together. Your parents are married. You have a very nice house. You have siblings. Why, why are you sad? Why, why are you anxious? Why, why don't you want to be on this earth anymore? So I learned to keep my mouth shut because I already felt that guilt. And, and that's why I want, I'm also going to talk about the way that the enemy uses guilt. Um, but, you know, that I was self-harming by the time I was in, in, in middle school because I wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel something even if it was pain. I had this emptiness. That fear turned into emptiness. But we're going to talk about that. The enemy uses guilt against you in seasons of depression to make you feel ashamed and embarrassed, okay? To then make you feel isolated, misunderstood, alone, worthless, and et cetera, right? That's, that's all I felt. I felt guilty because I was like, yo, they're right. Like, I have, I have parents that love me. I have siblings. I have, you know, my siblings are 8 and 10 years older than me, and my sister's a lot older than my brother's. But I, I grew up with two brothers inside the house. My sister never really lived with me. But because all my, my siblings, I don't like using the term half-siblings because to me they are my full siblings. But, you know, for, for context, they are half-siblings. And so two of my two older brothers, again, are 8 and 10 years older than me. But they were always very good brothers to me. Obviously, they you know I was the annoying little sister because there's such a big age gap. But they loved me, and I knew that they loved me. I knew they cared for me. I knew my parents loved and cared for me. Obviously, there's no such thing as this perfect, you know, no household is perfect. No household. But I was, I was blessed. I, ha I even had a household. I even had a house. I had a, I had a roof over my head. I had food to eat. I had parents. I had to sit. Why was I feeling this way? And I, I came into agreement with the people around me. 
And I was like, they're right. So you know what? I'm going to fake it until I make it. And that made me shy away, obviously, from God and those around me, my, my family. I had the tools to be like, hey, I need help. But I didn't use those tools because I, I shied away from them because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of feeling that way because why did I feel that way? And when I did try to communicate it, you know, even to my family, it was oftentimes that. Why are you feeling that way? They didn't understand it. That's because I didn't understand it. So when I did try to communicate it, it wasn't coming out right. It, because how does that even come out right, you know? You're a child. You don't know what you're... I, I was a kid. I didn't know what I was feeling. I don't know why I was feeling that. So when I tried to, it never... It always came off wrong. And, and it was perceived as ungrateful. And, you know, obviously a lot of people could say, you know, what they want to say. But I understand my parents in a way. Because, you know, they did come from rough places. My dad came from a very rough place. And my mom... You know, she she didn't necessarily come from a rough place, but in a way that, you know, she never experienced those feelings of depression and anxiety. And if she did, it was, you know, y'all know how the older generations are. It was, I guess, like, not shamed upon, but it, was, it wasn't understood. So when my parents didn't understand it, it's not that, you know, they failed me or neglected me. It was just that they didn't understand it. To them, it was like, but we do everything. We provide for you. And they aren't wrong. But it wasn't that I was lacking a roof over my head or loving parents. It was just, it was this thing that I, I had struggled with from so long, for so long that it became my norm. Like it became my normal. Struggling like that, feeling fear all the time became my normal. I became numb. So when I started self-harming to feel something, even if it was pain, anything, just to feel anything, it's, it, 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 it guys, it breaks my heart to this day that I felt like I had to do that to feel something. And that there's kids out there, people out there, even younger than I was, feeling that same way. And I, I just want to take two steps. The enemy disgusts me. The devil, dis he irks my soul. Because so many kids and so many people believe that. Believe that lie of his. So, and that's the thing with depression. It almost always leads to feeling empty. It starts as, you know, obviously that, that feeling and, and it's, for me personally, it started with fear. It got so draining, I became depressed. But it always turns into emptiness. It starts off this drowning and consuming feeling that then turns into emptiness that becomes your normal. Depression and anxiety are so many people's norms because they feel like they just have to live that way. But that's a lie. L guys, please listen to me when I say this. God's purpose for you is not that. It's not that norm, quote unquote. A life where depression and anxiety is and anxiety is your normal is not God's purpose for you. Okay? God's purpose for you is is you know what? Let me get into scripture in a second. He created you for a purpose. And and, and, and unless you seek him first and the kingdom of God, you're not going to know that purpose. And the reason why I tell you this is because I didn't look towards God. I shied away from God. And, and this is coming from someone that I had Christian family members. But I was so blindsided by the lies of the enemy. I was so deceived and so ashamed. I was so filled of that guilt. I was so filled of that, that emptiness that consumed me that I shied away from the Lord. But he created me with a purpose for a purpose. And he created you on purpose with a person. Pur pur with, whoa. 
with a purpose, for a purpose. We are created with purpose, on purpose. Okay? That was a little tongue twister for me. I don't know why. But you need to look towards him to, to find and to, and to get an answer on what that purpose is. And God, for me, is that purpose. I was created to spread his word. I was created to worship him. We were created for that. We are created to be in the presence of God. So when we are not in that presence, we are empty. We are alone. We feel misunderstood. We feel, we feel, sorry, y'all. The dog just started barking. <gasps> I'm sorry, y'all. Um, sorry for the background noise if y'all could hear that. But anyways, um, and that's, and that's like, guys, the, listen to me, please. That is the reason I stayed. God is the reason I stayed on this earth, even when I didn't even know it. And I'm, again, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I want to get into scripture, okay? Because here are some lies that the devil tells you. And I'm going to debunk them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to debunk them right here, right now with the word of God. We're debunking the enemy's lies. The enemy, when you're depressed, tells you you're not loved. You know what the Bible says? <laughs> the Bible says in John 3, 16, For this is how God, how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that he might have eternal life, so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That is love. Love is sacrifice. Love is what god did and what jesus did on that cross that is love love is the holy spirit that he sends down to us god is love period we are loved because even though we didn't deserve what jesus did on that cross by taking away our sins he did it anyways that is love and the enemy's gonna tell on me and you and everyone in this world that they're not loved we are loved by someone so beyond us by something so beyond us god jesus that but, but yet we, we are so quick to believe the lies of the enemy when we're told we're not loved. Another verse, Romans 5, 3 through 11. We can rejoice too that when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confidence, hope, confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for our sins. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly save, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So, we now, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of god that is a long scripture and i'm not gonna lie y'all i'm sorry be bear with me because i read like a kindergartner but 
he sent his one and only son to die for us on that cross when we didn't deserve it. And like this scripture says, how much of us would die for our enemy? How much of us would die for a random good person on the street that you didn't even know? Barely any of us. Barely 1% of people would die for a good person. But no, I, I, you cannot convince me anybody would die for their enemy unless they have the love of God inside of them. Unle again, unless they have the love of God inside of them. Because obviously, us Christians, we know to love our enemy. But the un unbelievers, and even, and even some believers struggle with this, to love their enemies. And we were enemies of Christ. We were enemies of God. We were sinners, and he still sent his son to die for us. And we still are. We still are sinners, but we're saved by the grace of God because of what Jesus Christ did on that, on that, on that cross. And the enemy is going to come and tell us we aren't loved. And the enemy is going to tell us that we are not loved. No. Because even if, if, if you're an unbeliever, listen to me. Jesus still died on that cross for you. Whether you don't believe it, whether you don't believe in him, he still did it. Whether you love whether you don't love him, whether you deny him, he still loves you. He still loves you. Even if you deny him, even if you don't believe in him, even if you don't love him, even if you don't accept him, he still died for you and he still loves you. And that's why I say that even in the time of my life where I didn't know Christ, where I didn't know God, he still loved me, and he was still there with me, and I, and I wasn't alone, even if I didn't know it. I didn't know it, but I wasn't. I wasn't alone. I didn't know I, I was loved, but I was. I didn't know I was cared for, but I was, and I'll get into that in a second. Another lie of the enemy, you are alone. Now Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. He says time and time again that he will never fail, he will never abandon us he will never forsake us isaiah 43 verse 2 says when you go through deep waters i will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty you will not drown when you walk through the fire of oppression you will not be burned up the flames will not consume you another verse says for the lord your god is living among you he is a mighty savior he will take delight in you with gladness with his love he will calm all your fears he will rejoice over you with joyful songs deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says do not be afraid or discouraged for the lord will personally go ahead of you he will be with you he will never fail you nor abandon you another one this is my command be Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 9. I mean, Joshua Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Sorry. <laughs> we are told we're not alone by the, by, by the devil. We are lied to by Satan saying that we're alone. But the Bible tells us over and over again that he will never leave nor forsake us. And that's why I was saying that even if you don't know God, 
He has not left you. Even if you don't know God, He has not abandoned you. Even if you don't know God, He is still with you and you're still not alone. Even when I didn't know God, I wasn't alone. Another lie. Nobody cares about you. All right? Well, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kingdom, I mean, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by the means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation, all power to him forever. Amen. Let's go back. You are alone? Uh Uh-uh. This verse says, Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. He says nobody cares. It says for he cares about you. We are not alone in our suffering. I felt so alone, so isolated, so disconnected. But that was a lie from Satan. I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only kid feeling this. And if you're feeling this, you're not the only one. You're not alone. Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 30 say, That is why I tell you to not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothing to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? One more time. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't worry or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? This scripture says you're not only valuable to God, but you're cared for by God. Now, another another lie, right? You're not valued. <laughs> Luke 12, 11 says... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 11. I mean, why do I say 11? Verse 7. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 7 says... And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Yo, God knows how many hairs you got on your head. I'm sorry I'm yelling at y'all. But God knows how many hairs you got on your head. And you're not, and and Satan is going to tell you you're not valued? Yo, (laughs) yo. Like, that's why, bro. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yo, Satan is so full of, excuse my language, but crap. You're going to tell me I'm not valued? 
And he knows the amount of hair I got on my head? You're gonna tell me he don't care about me when he cares about the birds and the lilies? Please, bruh, please. Keep your little... Mm, sorry, saying just enrages me. John verse chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Going back to what I was saying earlier, that's why I say that God doesn't want that for you. That norm, just living with depression and anxiety, you, God didn't create you to live, just live with depression and anxiety. No, no. God wants to deliver you from depression and anxiety. He wants to cast that out of you because that, you are not to, that is not his purpose for you. Like I said, he created for you, he created, what? He created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. He doesn't want that for you. It says here, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. His purpose for you is to find satisfaction, contentment, love, care, value, worth in him. It's the enemy's purpose for you to steal, kill, and destroy, to steal your happiness, to steal your joy, to lie from you, to I mean to lie to you, to kill what's inside of you, to kill that 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 calling that God has for you, that purpose, to kill that, to steal that from you, to destroy it, to destroy you from inside out. That is Satan's purpose, but that is not God's purpose for you. <sighs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. It just, it kills me to know that there's so many people believing the devil's lies. I believe the devil's lies for years of my life. That I wasn't loved, I wasn't valued, I wasn't cared for. I was, I was just so blinded by his deceitful ways and things that I, I, guys, I didn't think I was going to see 15 years old. I was in middle school and I didn't think I was going to see 15 years old. I didn't think that because I didn't want that. I hope. I wouldn't see 15 years old. I hope I would have, I hoped that I would have escaped my mind by then. And I, and I thought that the only escape was to not be here anymore. I felt like I was a burden to those around me. Because when I looked around, I was hurting those around me by being so hurt. So I thought it was easier for them if I wasn't here. I thought it was easier for me if I wasn't here. But if I would have let God shine his light in my darkness, if I would have accepted and embraced God's love for me, that's all I needed. That is all I needed. I needed to turn away from the lies of Satan and see the truth of God. Not one person on this earth is not loved by God. Not one person on this earth is not worthy or valued by God. Not one person on this earth is abandoned or forsaken by God. Even if they don't know him, even if they don't accept him, 
even if they don't believe in him, even if they deny him, he still loves them. He still is with them. He still stands by them. Every single person. Now, I want to talk to y'all about coping, okay? Coping and overcoming the emptiness because I was coping by hurting myself, cutting myself, burning myself. And later on in life, when that emptiness crept up inside of me again in high school, I started to do drugs. And I want to do a completely different episode talking about my testimony with drugs and all that stuff. But I wanted to numb myself with drugs and occasionally, I I wasn't much of a drinker, but occasionally I would. I would drink, I would go out, I would party, I would get cross-faded. That's self-harm too. Self-harm isn't just cutting your skin. Self-harm isn't just burning yourself. Self-harm is also smoking too much, drinking too much, even at all. If you do it to numb yourself, to numb something inside of you, to shut up the voices in your head, that is also a way of self-harm. There's so many things in this world that are self-harm that we don't consider self-harm. Some people sleep around, sleep with multiple people to fill that void in their heart. That is also self-harm. Anything that makes you feel, that that you need to make you feel something or not feel something is self-harm. And that's the reality of it. Believe it or not, call it BS, whatever, it's the truth. It's the truth. Because when that weed wears off, it'll still be there waiting for you. When the drunkness fades away, that next morning when you're hungover, it is still going to be there waiting for you. Time and time and time and time again. When you're sleeping around to feel something, to not feel something, that feeling is still going to be there inside of you. When that person gets up out of your bed and leaves, or when you get up out of your bed and leave, or the, or whatever, the bed and leave. <sighs> the enemy tells us to self-harm in order to feel something, and drugs, and drinking, and sleeping around to numb something. He, do- he does this because he puts you in that cycle so you could... Oh my goodness. So you could put yourself and dig yourself in a deeper hole. Because he puts you in that cycle. Y'all realize that addictions are cycles? When, the, when, when Satan puts you in that, when, he, and when, when the devil puts you in a cycle, in an addiction, he don't got to check up on you. Listen to me. He doesn't have to check up on you. When he puts you in a cycle of addiction... Whether that be, again, drugs, alcohol, whatever, sleeping around, whatever. When he puts them chains on you and he puts you in that cycle, he don't got to check up on you. You do the rest for him. You do the rest for him. He don't got to check up on you anymore. And if you try to get out of it, 
Or he'll come back and he'll temper you, put you back in that cycle, and keep it pushing. And it'll go on and 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 on. Whoa, 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 Sorry. And on and on and on and on. Until you break free. And you know who will break you free? Matter of fact, you know who already set you free? Jesus Christ. You are already free because of what Christ did on that cross. You are already free. You are already no longer bound. But we walk back to Satan and those chains and we go put it back on. Put it back on. That is what we do. That is what we do. Time and time again. When we let the devil put us into these these cycles of addiction, these cycles of, you know, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatnot, whatever you're doing to 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 hurt yourself, all of that self-harm. It's crazy. I'm crazy, and I hope y'all hearing me right now. But that is exactly what we do when we let him put us into those cycles. It is like Jesus took those chains off of us, and we walk right back to the one who put it on us. Moving on. Now, I want to end it on this note, right? Like in Genesis. (laughs) Hi. Like in Genesis. Let God separate the light from the darkness. And yes, I know this was, you know, the creation of the earth and ah, ah, ah. But to this day, that is what we need to do in our lives. It's not, this is not just about the creation of the earth. Him separating the light and the darkness. This is, this is, this is life. This is truth. Okay? First John Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now we declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are, only fo- we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Now, um, um, I, I ended one of the testimonies, I, th- I believe the one on Instagram like this. I'm not perfect, okay? I still struggle with fear, anxiety, occasional depressive, you know, s- seasons. But things are different. And I'm going to tell you why they're different. I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not forsaken. I'm, not, I'm now able to see Those things as lies of Satan. I'm alone. I'm not loved. I'm not valued. I now know that they are lies of Satan and I don't accept them as true. Listen to me. The devil is a liar. God is truth. And I now know that. I now know to put on the armor of God in order to defeat and overcome Satan and his lies. I am no longer living in darkness but in the light that is God. So please, if if you guys are, you know, If y'all made it this far, listen to me. Let God shine his light onto your life. 
accept and see his love. I promise you, guys, I promise you it's always been there. I want you to hear me when I say this. Don't let yourself be lied to the same way that I was and the same way that so many people are. You are loved, you are valued, you are seen, you are heard, you are cared for by Jesus, by God, by the Holy Spirit, by the triune God. You are no longer... Sorry, hold on. Jesus died for me, and he died for you, and he died for us. For the whole world, God sent his only son to die for us. So we could live freely. Guys, please. So we could live freely in the name of Jesus. You are no longer... And have... <laughs> that's what's crazy. You are no longer bound. You no longer have to be bound. By the chains of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts of addictions, of fear, you no longer have to be bound. You are no longer bound, period, in Jesus' name. Let Jesus set you free. Let him be the reason you stay to fight, to endure. Let him be the reason you do those things. Let him be the reason you never give up. Let him be your purpose, for he created you on purpose with a purpose. He will pour his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his strength, and most importantly, his love onto you. Allow him, let him do that. You are not and have never been alone. Seek him and stand in his presence. Stand in the light and stay. Stay. After all these years, I stayed and I fought. And I'll be honest, there was a lot of times where I had no more fight in me. There was a lot of times where I didn't have any more strength. There was a lot of times where I stood back up when I felt like I couldn't stand no more. There was a lot of times that I wanted to give up. There were a lot of times I wanted to take my life. There was a lot of the times that I, I felt like a burden, alone, forsaken. But God was with me even when I didn't know he was with me. All those nights that I spent in my room hurting myself, he was hurting with me. He was weeping with me. And he was waiting for me with open arms. And I was, I didn't even turn back to look at him out of shame, out of, out of, I was just out of deceitfulness. I, I was deceived by the enemy. And if I would have just turned around and embraced him and let him embrace me, it would have saved me a lot. But I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't regret any of it. I was hard on myself when I first came to Christ because I was like, wow, why did I deny him for so long? And I was very hard on myself and for... For a long time, that's why I was lukewarm. Because I was like, wow, he was there for so long and I turned my back on him. Well, why would I go back now? What, what's wrong with me? What if he doesn't want me anymore? I was so foolish. But I look back at it now and like, and like the Bible says, we suffer for some time. We go through trials. We go through storms. We go through this and that. But it makes you strong. It gives you endurance. I could stand here and share my testimony with y'all and talk to y'all because of what I went through. And even if it helps one person, it's someone. 
So no matter what everything I went through, I will do it again for the relationship I have with the Lord. To feel Him and feel His presence like I do now, I'll do it all over again. So it's not too late. It's not too late for you to turn around and let Him embrace you, let Him hold you, let Him love you. Let Him be God. Let Him be the purpose. Let Him be the reason you stay. So not too late. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. I love you guys. Most importantly, Jesus loves you. God loves you. And if you're suffering, just know that you're not alone. Know that you're loved. Know that you're valued. Don't let the enemy lie to you anymore. But that's it. I'm going to end this episode here. (laughs) One more time, I just want to remind you that I love you. I know I just said it, but God loves you too. If y'all ever need anybody to talk to, if you're struggling, you need prayer, you need anything, you need anyone, know that God is there for you and I'm here for you. If y'all know me personally, reach out to me on social media or anywhere. If you got my number, whatever, reach out to me. If you don't know me personally, but you follow me, reach out to me. And if you don't follow me, you can follow the podcast Instagram, Reforming Our Faith. You can follow me on TikTok, Moving With God. You can follow me on my on my regular Instagram, which is Janice Rivera. Y'all, y'all, I'm here for you. And most importantly, God is there for you. And I love y'all, and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Stay strong, stay fighting, keep building that endurance, and allow God to strength. I mean, allow God to strengthen you and pour strength onto you.